Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Good morning. Hopefully the screens stay on. We're having some technical issues. Um, last week, we started talking about the purpose of prayer. And so last week, we talked about how the purpose of prayer is to bring us back to God. The purpose of prayer is to draw us back to God. The second thing is, purpose of prayer is to grow our faith in God. And then we're supposed to, purpose of prayer is for the love and fellowship with God, to connect with him, to fellowship with him. And then the fourth one was, to, when in our prayer life, that is where we, it changes us. Our time with God, spending time with him and praying, it actually changes us. And so this morning, we're going to continue on the purpose of prayer. And we're going to continue. We're going to move on to number, number five. But before we do that, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your presence in the room already. Father, we just thank you for your joy. We thank you for your peace. And Lord, as we turn our hearts to your word, I pray, Father, you hide me behind the cross and let my words be your words. Speak through me this morning. Lord, as we talk about prayer and the purpose of it, Lord, the desire is it stirs in us a reminder to pray, to spend time with you. And so, Lord, I pray for open ears and open hearts just to engage with you in a new way. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So purpose number five is this. The purpose of prayer is to strengthen us for the battle. It's to strengthen us for the battle. And every day we are in a battle. We are fighting an enemy. But God walks with us and strengthens us. And so Paul encourages us for spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 verse 10. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he goes on to tell us how to be strong. I like it when we don't just read something and somebody walks up to you and just gives you a very short word, but there's a little bit of an explanation and Paul speaks to us and encourages us to be strong in the Lord. But then he goes on in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you know that as we share testimonies, as we speak to one another and encourage each other in our walk with God, a lot of it, if we actually are honest and we're transparent with each other about what struggles we're walking through, what we end up doing is actually sharing with each other the schemes of the enemy. And we share how he works and how he tries to attack because here's what you have to realize. He's not a creator. God creates. The devil actually just mimics. He perverts. He twists. And he lies. So therefore, when we share testimonies of what the, how we're being attacked and how we make it through, we're actually just sharing the enemy's schemes. And what that helps us with is it helps each other to be able to identify what he's trying to do in our lives and be able to fight against it. That's why we share testimonies. That's why we encourage one another. So Paul explains that the armor consists of things such as truth and righteousness and faith and salvation and so on. He continues on. And these are the glorious riches that he's referring to several chapters earlier when he says this in Ephesians 3, 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, you may strength, that you, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. These two passages are actually referring to the same thing. These are the glorious riches, the kinds of things that give us life 
and they give us strength for the battle that we're in. Let's look at a couple of examples. Uh, It's going to begin actually with joy. If you're in a battle, bless you, and you want to fight through stuff, it's joy that you want to fight with. Nehemiah says this in 8 verse 10, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. See, it's the Lord's joy in us that rejuvenates us and gives us life or strength to carry on. We all wake up on mornings where it kind of looks like today, it's a little gloomy, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. It's the joy of the Lord that gets us up and gets us going, that makes us encounter the day. How about hope? Scriptures tell us that the absence of hope makes us actually weak. So we have joy and hope in our lives. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. If we have hope and joy in our lives, we can actually press on. It doesn't mean everything's going to be better, but we continue moving forward. We continue walking it through. Lamentations 3.18 says this, My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Our hope and our strength are together. Conversely, the presence of hope gives us light to the eyes. We see this in Scripture in Ephesians 1.18, and it makes us strong. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says this, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. When we have hope in the Father, when we have hope in his provision and his leading, that's where our boldness comes from. When we know that he speaks to us, when he guides us, when he leads us, that's where we have boldness to continue moving forward, to continue sharing who he is. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know this is a great verse sometimes just to pray over your life? Just to pray over yourself? In those hard moments, you can say to God, Father, fill me with hope. Fill me with joy and peace as I trust in you. That I may overflow with hope. I need hope today. And so Holy Spirit, I need more of you. Fill me so that I can face today. This passage, as we talk about hope and joy, it also includes peace as one of the glorious riches given from God to strengthen us. Jesus said that in the same way a branch receives life from the vine, so too a believer receives life from being vitally connected to the vine who is Jesus Christ. So how do we find the hope? How do we find the joy? How do we find the peace? John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If, you, if a man remains in me and I in him, I will, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. The last couple of days, we've done nothing but gardening at our house. We have too many flower beds. I dislike spring. But what I've learned as we're doing this is an unhealthy branch on a tree actually needs to get cut off so the tree can survive. If there's an unhealthy area in your life, you might need to cut it off 
so that the rest of your life can be healthy. If you're trying to persevere with God, if you're trying to work through a scenario and the only people around you bring you down or discourage or you share with them a need and they just don't bring you towards the Father, you might need to stop sharing your stories with them. We need people around us that are gonna lift us up. We need people around us that are gonna hear a story and say, let me just pray with you. You know, sometimes we don't need advice from each other. We just need prayer. Prayer is going to bring us closer to the Father. Without being close to him, we actually can do nothing. You can't do anything unless you're spending time with the Father. The amazing thing about this is it says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Our responsibility is to abide in Christ. Your responsibility is to abide in Christ. But Chad, I've been abiding in Christ for a long time and nothing's changed. Continue abiding. Continue abiding. I read somewhere that a bamboo tree, I think it is, it plants it. You don't see anything for four years and then all of a sudden it just grows like crazy. I can't remember how much it grows. I'm sorry, it just left me. So maybe you are three and a half years buried in the dirt And you're like, Chad, I got nothing. I don't see any daylight. I'm literally buried in dirt. Maybe some of you even have fertilizer there too. You're like, Chad, I got nothing. Abide. Wait. The Father is still there. And in a moment, you can grow. In his timing. It's the faith, it's the hope, it's the joy. And all of this is done practically in prayer, praying and spending time with him. Think about it for a minute. Peter and John, they were preaching to a crowd that gathered to hear them after witnessing miracles they had done, and then they are arrested. They're threatened to not preach Jesus' name and then released. As long as you don't preach Jesus' name, you can go. And then they go back and they report it to the church in Jerusalem who then raise their voices together in prayer. And one of the things they prayed for was boldness and courage in the face of persecution. And then God responded by filling them with the Holy Spirit and literally shaking the ground beneath them. If you are buried as Peter and John did, You need to surround yourself with prayerful people that will pray with you. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, the ground that you think couldn't be shaken will be shaken in a mighty way, in a powerful way. We just need to pray. It's in prayer that they receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, accompanying the boldness that they prayed for. It's His boldness. We receive this, all the glorious riches which we need for life and godliness through abiding in Christ, which comes in a large part just from prayer, spending time in prayer. See, after describing the spiritual things in the armor of God passages, we are supposed to, as Paul ends it all, by telling us how to do it. 
You can read it in Ephesians 6, 18 to 19. It basically sums up with this. Pray again. Pray. You're not sure? Pray again. Not sure what to do? Continue praying. Well, Chad, how long should I pray for? Continue praying. Well, Chad, if I keep praying, how long is it going to take? I have no idea. I talked with some friends on Friday night just around a bonfire. We, just, we talked about the Israelites walking around Jericho once every day. And then on the final day, they walked around it seven times. If you were like me, I'm done after the first day. I just don't like walking. Can you imagine on the sixth day or the seventh day, you walk around it five times? You walk around it the sixth time? You haven't had breakthrough yet. You see a massive wall, one of the best fortified cities ever built. But they didn't stop. They walked around it one more time. Some of you here, God just wants you to walk around it one more time. One more time. Well, Chad, I've walked around it eight times. One more time. One more time. One more time. See, even Jesus in Luke 5, 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Prayer gives us the rich spiritual food which is going to strengthen us. And this is why we need to spend time in prayer, to build us for the battle. Purpose number six is this, to take his presence into our living lives, into life with us, and into our ministries. A man approached Jesus kneeling before him, and it says this in Matthew 17, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into fire or into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So what does Jesus do? Matthew 17, 17, he says this. He actually, first off, he kind of rebukes his disciples. And he says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And then he casts out the demons. And then I can imagine later, not right in that moment, because nobody wants to be embarrassed. So later, as the disciples and Jesus, it's the next verse, but as they're walking by themselves, they're over by themselves with Jesus. In verse 19, it says this, the disciples say to him, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can't say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. See, here's what you have to realize. The disciples had faith. They had faith because they actually tried. Okay, they had faith. They tried. But what you have to realize is the faith of a mustard seed, like we realize, every one of us in this room, I believe you have faith as a mustard seed. And as faith is a mustard seed, all you have to do is walk down a sidewalk somewhere and you begin to see the roots of a tree will move a whole sidewalk. So your faith as a mustard seed is going to grow a tree and it's going to move things. See, and actually earlier in scripture, it tells us that the disciples even cast out demons. 
So what are they missing? They're actually missing prayer. They're missing spending time with God. See, Mark 1, uh, 35 to 37 says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went out to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus is up early. He's gone to pray. What you have to realize, they traveled together. They, they stayed together. So Jesus wakes up early and he quietly sneaks out of the house and doesn't wake his disciples and goes off to pray. So the disciples are not praying, they're sleeping. And this isn't the first time or the only time you realize when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he was arrested, he asked his disciples, watch and pray so they wouldn't fall into temptation that he knew was coming, the test that was ahead of them. Instead, each time, the three times that Jesus comes back to his disciples, he finds them sleeping. He finds them sleeping. When we pray, we take his presence with us in our lives. As we walk with him. We read it already, John 15, 4. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We bear fruit when we remain daily. We see this example as the same principle at work in Jesus in his own personal life. As we realize they talk about in Acts 10, 38, it says, Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and, now he, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What we have to remember is the spirit of God that was with Jesus. It's the same spirit that's in you. We can't read these scriptures and go, well, that was Jesus. He had the Holy Spirit just like you. The disciples, as they walked around later, casting out demons and doing healings and all these things, they had the same spirit that resides in you. All of this is for you. Andrew Murray, he says this. When I work... I work, but when I pray, God works. Some of you need to stop working on situations that you're trying to solve, and you need to pray and let Jesus get to work. How many people here have tried shoveling a garden with somebody else with one shovel and four hands? Anybody? Right? Has anybody, you tried to shovel your garden? How many spouses would like to try to shovel your garden with your wife and husband, four hands on one shovel, to dig for a tree? Everybody's kind of giggling, shaking their head already, like, no, that's a bad idea. But this is what we're trying to do with Jesus. Some of us need to take our hands off the shovel and let him dig. And let him work it out. When I work, I work. We need to work and do things for God. But when I pray, God works. We need to pray and get out of his way. Purpose number seven is this, to actively participate in the kingdom advancement. We actively participate in the kingdom advancement. If we believe that God is sovereign, then why is it necessary to pray? If we believe that he's sovereign, why are we supposed to pray? See, the answer to this question lies in God's original plan when he created Adam. He gave Adam and Eve dominion over the entire earth and all creation. 
Even the psalmist, he echoes this in Psalms 8, verse 6 to 8. He made him ruler over the works he made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim with the path of the seas. This is what he gave to Adam. See, the, the Hebrew word marshal translated to rule. It indicates that Adam and his descendants were God's managers here. They were to manage the earth and look after it. The psalmist writes again in Psalms uh, 115 and uh, 16, he says this, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to men. The Hebrew word Nathan, translated to given, means assigned. He's assigned. See, God didn't give away ownership. He assigned the responsibility to humanity. He, gave, he assigned us for it. And then you look in Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. As such, Adam was to represent the will of God here on earth. How things went on planet earth, for better or worse, depended on Adam and his offspring. So though God is sovereign and all-powerful, he limited himself concerning the affairs of the earth to working through human beings, though not independent of them. It's not separate from us. He works through us. See, Jesus instructs us to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. So surely he wouldn't want us wasting our time asking for something that was going to happen anyways, right? He didn't tell us to ask for our daily, he, sorry, he, didn't, he, he told us to ask for our daily bread, yet he knows our needs before we ask. He tells us to ask that laborers be sent into the harvest, but doesn't he want the harvest more than we do? Doesn't he want to reach Stratford more than we do? Doesn't he want to reach St. Mary's more than we do? But yet he's asking us to pray for the workers, to pray for our daily bread, to pray for him to come. Paul says to pray for... Pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly. Wasn't it God's plan for that to happen anyway? So why is he asking us to pray? See, Elijah in 1 Kings, he prays, praying for rain after three, a three-year drought. He prayed seven times for the rain to come after a three-year drought. James 5, 17, he actually mentions this occasion that we know from this account that not only did Elijah pray to bring the rain, but we also, he also is the one that stopped it three years earlier. And if you read in 1 Kings 18, 1, it says this, After three years of this judgment, God spoke to Elijah and said, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So after the contest on the Mount Carmel, Elijah prayed seven times and finally the rain came. He prayed seven times, but look at verse one. Whose idea was it for the rain to come? It was God's. So it not only was his idea, but it was God's will, but it required Elijah's perseverance in prayer to enact God's will here on earth. 
He had to pray seven times for it, even though God said, go and do this. I don't know about you, but I would really appreciate it if God told me to go and do something if I only had to pray half a prayer. Right? Lord, if you could send the... Perfect. (laughs) Praying seven times. And Elijah stopped praying when his servant came back and said, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist. It was God's idea. Elijah's prayer really produced the rain. Did Elijah's prayer really produce the rain or was it simply coincidence that he happened to be praying? See, James 5, 17, 18 says this. Elijah was a man like us. Some of us need to hear that again. Elijah was a man just like us, just like you, just like me. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Apparently, his prayers made a difference. Abraham insists insists in his prayer for God's mercy on Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord declared to Moses that he would destroy the people of Israel for their sin. And Moses prayed and talked with God. And we read in Exodus 32, 14, when the Lord, then the Lord relented. It did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. Daniel was reading Jeremiah's prophecy about the Israelites released from exile after 70 years and he turned to pray. He repented on the behalf of Jerusalem and then asked God to deliver them and God answered him. Apparently, our prayers do make a difference. When we pray for the work of the kingdom, really is advancing. When you pray, you advance the kingdom of God. He works with us and through us. This is why we are to pray. So we pray because it strengthens us in battle. We pray because he takes his presence with us. We pray to actively participate in the kingdom advancement. And purpose number eight is to receive specific direction for living and ministry. Now we receive direction. Jesus said that when we pray for the will of God and his kingdom to be enacted on earth. See, in purpose seven above, we saw the biblical examples of what the saints prayed. And the things were changed to align with the heaven's will. However, many times it isn't just prayer that God desires, but accompanying action. Sometimes he doesn't want you just to pray for it. He wants to work through you to have it done. He's going to activate you to do something. It's where we say sometimes your answer to prayer is actually you. Nehemiah prayed and then asked God for favor as he was going to make a request of the king. Esther asked the Jews to join her in prayer and fasting before carrying out an elaborate plan to save her people. But isn't just any action on our behalf that is required? We generally don't know the best course of action to take because we are not omnipresent, 
We're not omniscient. Then Elijah, who prayed concerning the coming drought, first heard from God concerning this. See, in 1 Kings 17, 1, chapter before, it's now Elijah, the Tessabite from Tessab in Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next, three, next few years except at my word. Notice what he says. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain. What he's saying was that this pronouncement was coming from the Lord. It wasn't Elijah. It was coming from the Lord. In fact, it becomes perfectly clear in the next chapter who is directing the entire operation when the Lord speaks to Elijah again about the drought ending. We read it again in Kings 18.1. After a long time of the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain to the earth. How about Peter? Peter, too, received direction from the Lord through the vision of a large seat of ceremonial unclean animals on it and heard the voice telling him to eat of it. This was the means of opening the gospel door to the Gentiles. It wasn't Peter's idea. But we must be able to hear in prayer so the Spirit may direct us where he wants us to go. See, the angel of the Lord told Philip to leave the very successful ministry he was having among the Samaritans to go to the desert. Philip didn't even know what he was to do or who he was to meet. And he met one man. He met one person, the Ethiopian eunuch. God asked him to leave a huge ministry for one. Now, of course, Philip didn't know beforehand that this one would go ahead and impact a continent. But what human being could possibly think that he could be wise enough to know the best course of the kingdom to take? If we know that, if we think that for a minute, when I ask that question, what human being, which one of us in this room could possibly think that we would be wise enough to know the best course for the kingdom to take? Now, if we're honest, the only answer would be an arrogant one. But how many of us think we know the right way? This is where we have to take our hands off the shovel. How about Paul? He just wants to minister in the province of Asia, but the spirit of Jesus said no. And then again, but we see tremendous divine wisdom in this. We see his leading. Paul and the company obey and went down to Torsa. And during that night, Paul had a vision to go to Macedonia instead, Europe. The manifold wisdom of God comes to him through spending time with God and hearing his voice. So then it's just, it isn't just the prayers moving the kingdom forward. But in the prayer, we also have to receive instruction so that we know what we ought to do, which, all, which also is going to advance the kingdom of God. We need to listen in prayer so that we know what he wants us to do. You're not sure what to do? Take time and sit and listen for his voice. As we practice with the Hearing God seminar and listening to his direction, 
You want to know the hardest part about listening for God's direction in your life? Listening with no opinion. It's the hardest part. Is listening with no opinion. God, I'm not sure what to do in this situation. When, if we're honest, we all have opinions on what we should do. But we tell God, I'm not sure what to do. But we're just hoping he confirms what we already want to do. But opening our hands, God, I give you the situation. Show me what to do. And he will guide us and lead us. The purpose number nine, last one, is to keep us from falling into temptation. We already talked about the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. In Matthew 26, 41, it says, Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Well, Chad, I just can't find time to spend time with God in prayer. Maybe all of us just need to wake up a little bit earlier. Well, Chad, you just don't know my schedule. You don't know how full my schedule is. Your spirit wants to spend time with God. It's our flesh. It's our schedules. If we're honest, it's our priorities. We just need to align our priorities. See, all the resources that we need are found in Christ and may be accessed through prayer. So in the situation above, the boldness that they required to keep from succumbing to the fear was actually at their disposal. They just needed to listen to Jesus' warning. Pray with me so that you don't fall into temptation. If you don't want to fall into temptation, if you won't want to go through the same struggles, if you don't want to go through the same cycle of, hey, Chad, I came to church, I laid it at the altar, I walked out, I felt good, and then this afternoon, this evening, all of a sudden something happened, man, I just feel like it's started all over again. Schedule prayer. Schedule time with the Father. Well, what do you mean schedule, Chad? So many of us are on our phones way too much if we're completely honest. And you get too many notifications. But you need to program in your phone times with Jesus Christ. You need to program in your phone time with Jesus. Well, Chad, that doesn't seem too authentic. I like it to be a little more natural, a little more spontaneous. If Melissa and I don't plan a date night, it doesn't happen. If it's not programmed in my phone, I won't meet with you. I'll just forget. Or life gets busy if my phone doesn't tell me to slow down. So Chad, are you saying you live by your phone? I live by my calendar. Program it in your phone. Take all your social media 
apps and put them at the last page and put the Bible ones on the first page so when you open it, the first thing you see is the Bible and you don't see the Facebook looking at you. You don't see Instagram looking at you. You don't see all the other stuff that's stealing your time. Or take it another step farther and just delete it off your phone and only look at it on computers. What do you have to do to make it a priority? Because whatever a priority is in your life, you know it's a priority because you actually don't miss it. You do it all the time. It just creates a habit. It has to be a priority. And if you're not doing it daily, I will just say it straight. It's not a priority. Spending time with God needs to be a priority because it stops us from falling into temptation. It draws us close to God. Luke records an incident in Acts where Peter and John had been arrested by a centurion and for proclaiming to the people that Jesus had raised from the dead. After threatening them, Centurion released them. Upon their release, Peter and John reported to the people and the leaders, and the whole church raised their voice. We talked about this. But in Acts 4, 29 to 30, it says this, Now the Lord considered their threats and enabled, enable you, this was your prayer, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles, signs and wonders through the name of of your holy servant, Jesus. God answered them from heaven. He shook them. And they were able to speak the word boldly. This is the same Peter and John who had fled when Jesus was arrested. Spending time with Jesus changes us. It actually equips us not to run. It gives us boldness. So this morning, the purpose of prayer is this. To bring us back to God. To grow our faith. To love and fellowship with God. The purpose of prayer is to change us. It's to strengthen us for battle. It's to take his presence with us wherever we go and to actively participate in advancing the kingdom of God. It's to receive direction for living our lives. And prayer is to keep us from falling into temptation. This is why you're to pray. This is what he has given it to you for. My prayer this morning is that these purpose of prayer will actually just stir in you a passion to pray again. Well, Chad, we're all Christians. We pray not the way that God desires us to pray. So my heart for you is that this will stir in you another level of prayer. Let's pray this morning. If I could just all of you to stand for a moment. If you know that God just needs to stir in your life prayer, I just want you to open your hands just a little bit.
Because I'm going to pray that you receive passion this morning. I'm going to pray that you receive just a stirring and a desire to draw closer to the Father. So, Heavenly Father, as we've taken the last couple weeks just to talk on the purpose of prayer, why do we pray? God, when you know our needs, why do we ask for them? And so, Father, as we stand before you with arms open, Lord, the first purpose is to bring us back to you. And so, Lord, I pray so many people in this room with arms open, ones online, arms open, Lord, that you will draw them back to you, that, Lord, as we put our hands forward, we're saying, God, we need to draw closer to you. So, Father, as these people pray, as they spend time with you, as maybe today or tomorrow is their first step, okay, I'm going to spend time with him. Lord, Lord, my hope is that you grow their faith, that, Lord, their love and fellowship with you just grows. I really believe that it's through the first three, Father, that you will draw them close and it will stir up in them a deeper passion. And then through that, you're going to change us, Lord. You're going to change our perspective. You're going to change the way we interact with people. You're going to change us because we're the only ones that you can change in relationships. And then, Father, through that time together, you're going to strengthen us that we can encounter each day, that we can face the battles ahead of us, that we can stand strong with you. We can shift the atmospheres around us. And by doing that, Father, we stay in your presence. Therefore, your presence walks with us. That, Lord, when I walk into a room, the atmosphere changes because your presence is with me. And that, Lord, through that presence, I actively become a participant in advancing your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that there's an army in this room of people that advance your kingdom for the love that you've called us to share, to share your gospel. And Lord, you will give us specific direction on where to go and how to live and where to take your kingdom. And that, Lord, by spending time with you, you will give us the strength that our spirit will be strong and we can quiet our flesh. And so stir in us a new creation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 